I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, everybody, welcome back to another special edition of The Pod Has Spoken, our Micronesia rewatch coverage. And we are here with none other than four-time Survivor legend, Ozzy. Ozzy, what's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm great. Your hair looks amazing, by the way. I'm trying. trying, You got to. Yeah. It's uh, (laughs) a lot of people always are like, how can you keep it so long and stuff? I'm like, it's actually easier because you don't have to go get haircuts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, there's that, there's also that point where, you know, my hair gets so tangly and I got to be like constantly trying to get the dreads out. <clears throat> and then, you know, sleeping can be a pain in the ass, but I feel you too. All or nothing. Yeah, that is true. Sleeping. Yeah, it is all or nothing. Sleeping does become a bit of a problem sometimes if your neck for one evening is like sensitive for some reason, you're like, get yeah. it off of me. Uh, Ozzy, we got a, uh, a big surprise for you today. I know you're a huge fan of Riley McAtee at the ringer here. He's my, uh, co-host and, uh, usually covers the NFL, but has also been my sidekick. He's a survivor super fan. Riley, do you want to say hi to one of your lifelong heroes, uh, Ozzy from survivor? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Yo, what's happening? Ozzy, as you know, we've rewatched Micronesia on Netflix uh, have you okay. noticed an uptick in fan in fans as it hit Netflix? Are you seeing any of that or not really getting more messages, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that the the pandemic has really, I think my fan base has kind of exploded during the pandemic. Uh-huh. I think everybody kind of like watched through all of their normal stuff, started to expand their horizons a little bit, started watching reality TV, Survivor came up. And then people realize, oh my God, there's 40 seasons of bingeable TV right now. Yeah. And then, yeah, I've seen a lot more fans in the last couple of years than, you know, it's, it's just been this sort of like, 
like people are just rediscover discovering it for the first time. So it's been, it's been really cool. Right. Yeah, it is. I've, I've kind of noticed the same thing on my end. And, uh, I think with all the streaming services and stuff coming out and everything more accessible, uh, and, uh, I sat down like a month ago and watched the entire season. It was the first season I watched when going through casting for Survivor for my first time. It's the one they recommended. They were like, there's lots of great people on here. Watch this. And, oh, really? uh, yeah. And so, uh, so I did. And, uh, I also watched cook islands before that was another one they had me watch. Uh, so oh, no I was pretty familiar with you as I went out for my first season and we see you perform really well on the Cook Islands. You're a huge fan favorite. People loved you. As you yeah. get cast for this Micronesia season of fans versus favorites, uh, and you get out there and you're on the beach, when you're introduced, you for sure have the loudest applause of anybody from the fan side. Uh, and I, in that moment when I was watching that, I was feeling like they've built him up to be like yours was like a huge reveal and everybody's like, Oh, it's Ozzy. Oh my gosh. And they can't believe it. And you were kind of built up in, in, in my eyes to be like one of the stars of that season. Did you feel that immediately as you like hit the beach and you saw the reaction from the fans and stuff? Yeah. I mean, a little bit, a little bit, definitely felt like a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. That's why I was you know, going to ask. Yeah. Coming off of the cook Island season where I got second and, you know, played pretty well and like was, you know, one vote away and then going on to the fans favorites, you know, with Jason and, um, Eric specifically, these like two younger, younger guys sort of like, you know, I think that they kind of held me on a pedestal. And then because of that, you know, really just wanted to do everything they could to beat me. Yeah. To topple you, which is kind of annoying, but also flattering. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's nothing but nothing but love when you have haters, you know, you're doing not saying Eric or Jason are haters, but you know, the enviable position of being, you know, not an underdog and being sort of the one to beat is, I prefer to be an underdog, you know, it's just a much better sort of, uh, strategy going into any sort of like any sort of game and not being the person that's got to like hold down the, you know, the championship or whatever. Right. We did speaking of Eric and him holding you up on a pedestal to a certain degree. We talked to him and talked to him specifically about that because there are scenes in the show where he kind of professes his admiration and love for you and his, desire to maybe beat you at least in some challenges. And then we also see you respond to that in your own interviews. But when we talked to Eric, he said the show overplayed his quote unquote man crush on you. Did you, what is your take on that? Was he full in love or was, did they play that up? No, I think they, I definitely think they played that up a little bit. I, you know, I think that might've been a little bit of an exaggeration, but, um, if anyone, Jason had a, maybe a little more of that going on, um, but also the healthy competition, you know, he just wanted to beat me no matter what. So, right. um, but yeah, for, as far as Eric goes, like he was kind of, I just remember him sort of just being in his own world a little more, uh, you know, he was definitely more on the, uh, susceptible to the, uh, you know, the desires of, of the Black Widow Brigade. <laughs> the desires of the flesh, is that way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, it, so as we move into the season, it seemed right off the bat that you had like a pretty good thing going with Amanda specifically, but also James and Parv. So you have a tight foursome there. Was that a friendship that was before the show had even started filming? Did you had you met those people before? How close were you with any of them? What was uh, yeah? What was your relationship specifically with them moving into that show relationship? We see. No, I had never met any of them because they had literally uh, James and Amanda just did. A, uh, I think it was like a one or two week turnaround from China. That's so right. So yeah. this is like in the era where they were basically taking people that had just competed. There was a there's a handful of people that have done this. Um, James and Amanda were one. So they had just competed a, on China. They came home. I think they were back for a week or two at the most. And then they were right back out there. So, I mean, I can't imagine for one, like playing survivor for your first time is, can be like, you know, it can be an affront to your senses to you know culture shock. You know, you're wrestling, especially if you make it far in the game, you come back and you're just like, Holy, like what the hell just happened to me? You know, you can't sleep on a bed properly. Like, there's just so many things happening. And then they turned around and went right back out. So I just remember seeing Amanda, like we were watching, um, I was watching China. Nobody knew what, what actually happened, how China finished out. So that was the other thing. Like nobody knew if James or Amanda, how far they went. I think they were still on the show while we were going out to go film because of the way that the production stacked up. So we didn't know, so yeah, I immediately recognized Amanda and James at the airport and was like, damn, well, first of all, Amanda, you know, Miss Montana was like, I want to be in an alliance with her. <laughs> so Well, but you know that Montana only has four girls, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, but you know, at least she's in that top no, 25%. She, she, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is true. And uh, did you know that background about her as you were going out on the show and stuff? Or did you not really like pay much oh, attention yeah. to you did? Oh, okay. I knew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> did you, Ozzy, when when you got in an alliance with Amanda and James, did they tell you at all how China played out like during the season, or did they keep that a mystery? James told me. Yeah, James told me. I'm not. I can't really remember if Amanda what Amanda said. I think she said that she got to the end, but she, you know, obviously didn't know if she won or not. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, I can't quite remember, but I do remember James telling me that he was an idiot, doesn't know how to play Survivor, and that he, you know, got voted out with two immunity idols. So, did he tell you how Amanda did in that moment too, or or no? God, I can't even remember. So long ago at this point, but so my my insider info from people in production was that Amanda, right after Fans versus Favorites, was of the belief that she had won two seasons of Survivor in a row at some point in time there. So I'm assuming if that's true, that during this gameplay, she had already was assuming that she had won a million dollars and was going back out. Yeah. Uh, So, um, okay. So you meet those two Parv, you knew, but what was your relationship with her? Was it a friendship cordial? Not whatever. What? Yeah. Like, yeah, we, we had, so, you know, um, after, after cook islands and you know, she didn't, she voted for me. She didn't screw me over. Like we were, we were cool. She was, I think she was dating. 
she dated Nate for a minute. Um, and Nate, Nate used to live, uh, in, we used to share a, a housing compound. So I was in the front house, he lived in the back house. Um, and so, yeah, I became friendly with Parvati, like helped her move. I think there was just a couple things. So she was like, you know, we had like a chill relationship. It wasn't like we were super good friends, but we were, we were friends. Um, so just, it was like a really easy thing. Once we went out there, it was kind of a no brainer. I was like, all right, Parv, what are we going to do? Okay. Um, I'm going to let's, let's grab Amanda and James. We got a solid four. And then, you know, now we're, we're in a great position. So, and it, and it worked out really well for, you know, that first, you know, the first stretch of the game. So we got down to the, you know, individual. And then that was, <clears throat> that was the point where I don't think a lot of people know the actual story of how my blind side came about. Tell it. But yeah, I mean, it was, I didn't find this out till many, many, many years later. And, you know, to, uh, it's just so frustrating because Amanda, let's, I think. Let, let's preface it a little bit. This yeah, is yeah. right after the merge. So you go through a little tribe swap, you, you force them get kind of split up and yep. then you come back together at the merge and there's the foursome of, like we said, you, Amanda, Ozzy and James, and then yep. you come back and Parv, it seemed like to us as the viewers had built this other little side thing with just girls with Natalie and Alexis yep. and, uh, take and it away. And Suri, yeah, and, right. And Suri. Yeah. So, you know. I think that what we saw, the story that we saw play out is actually not the story that the way it really happened. Um, I think it, it looked like, you know, after, um, the, that individual immunity that Jason beat me, well, he won. Um, um, at some point, Amanda actually was the one who floated the idea of voting me out. And it was really came from her. She was the one that kind of ma masterminded it. And Parvati and Sari and the rest of them were like, you know, obviously this is a good idea. Let's get them out now. It's the best time. They knew I had an immunity idol. They knew, you know, they knew that I could play it and I would have played it for them, whatever. But it was Manda's idea. It was her idea to vote me out. And the thing, the, I think the only reason why she didn't end up winning the game, well, Part of the reason is she's horrible at public speaking. So in the, in the tribe or in the, uh, you know, the final like plea to the, the jury, just that whole question and answer situation, you know, talking to the jury, you know, she just would stumble over her words, just would not be able to get a complete thought across. And so she never, she never owned up to the fact that it was her idea to vote me out. And I think part of that was the reason I was like, you know, like in love with her, professing my love, like trying to do whatever I could to, to get her to win. And meanwhile, she didn't tell the full truth. And I think that that is one of the biggest reasons why people don't win if they are in a great position to win, if they played a great game. You know, this is what happened to Coach on one of my seasons as well. You know, I also he got, agree with that. Yes, with Coach specifically. Yeah, he got to the end. And instead of just being like, yo, I played all of you. I lied to you when I needed to. I did what I needed to do. Yeah, sure. I, I did this thing where I was like the honorable guy. But at the end of the day, you know what? No, I don't believe any of that. And I, and I got you all. You know, Amanda did the same thing. She tried to play. She tried to, to 
show her game in a different light. Instead of just being like, I was the one who voted Ozzy out. He was my closest Alliance member. We hooked up on the beach, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm about that money. I'm about winning. I'm not about like this, like showman's thing. So she didn't come clean about that. And, and I didn't find this out until many years later, you know, we, we kind of dated after the show didn't work out. And then like, we went on a couple of dates even years later and she's like, yo, I got to tell you something. Um, you know, you might be mad, but it was me that voted you out, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, dude, why didn't you say something? Not that right there, man, is why you could have won the game. If you had just, you know, maybe you wouldn't have won, but I think your chances would have been a lot greater. You would have shown people that you had, you know, more going on upstairs than maybe seems like when you know, you're just talking about your game. Cause you know, she just, she was so bad at talking and that's such a shame that, you know, you can make it so far in the game. And if you just can't persuade people, then you don't end up winning. And I think that that, that happens more often than, than, than you think. It happens a lot. Yeah. I, I, my first season, it happened to Steven Fishback specifically. And it was ah. just like either the nerves or whatever get to you and you can't orate properly. You can't yeah. like express yourself how you want to. And some of it is nerves and some of it is like, you know, just social cues and some of it is just bad public speaking. Like it comes down to those things. And in those moments, like a talker really shines. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Had she admitted that at Final Tribal Council, would your words to Parv have been different and would your words to Amanda have been different? Because with Parv, we saw that you were quite harsh in your words to her about flipping on you and all of that stuff. And then with Amanda, you professed your, uh, undying love. Yeah. I mean, it would have, it definitely would have changed. And I think I still would have been in Amanda's camp. I probably just would have, you know, I don't think my words would have been nearly as, you know, nearly as harsh to Parvati, but I, I, I definitely would have, you know, use that as a tool to say, look, this, this girl, she might not be able to talk. I just would have done, I would have championed her cause for sure. I definitely would have championed her cause even, you know, in light of the fact that she got voted me out for sure, even probably even more, but you know, I was super young then. So maybe I would have been really pissed. I don't know. It's possible looking back at it, you know, being a 40 year old, I'm like, Oh no, I would have done the you know no, <laughs> noble thing. Maybe back then though, I would have been like, you and you and everybody. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're the same way, but every time I get voted off and then even I'm sitting on the jury, that's always going through my head. But then I'm like, I can't look like a baby on TV. I got to have to like dress this up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know that that ever leaves Ozzy. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, I, and I agree too. Like you have to like own up to the thing because somebody knows that. And if somebody knows something and then knows that you're lying at final tribal council, when you can't get caught in a lie at that point, that's when you have to kind of fess up to everything that yeah. can only hurt you. Um, let's backtrack back into the season a little bit. Cause we did get all the way to the end there. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, I wanted to. I want to hear everything. I like that. I like that backstory. Did that affect yours and Amanda's relationship negatively those few years down the road after or not? No. Nah, I mean, you know, I think that I was just so... A couple things happened to me going into the the fans' favorite season is I had a girl that I was dating for a long time. Um, I was dating her when I went on to... Uh, Cook Islands. Okay. And I was like seriously looking to get out of the relationship. So when I found myself stranded on a deserted island with Miss Montana, I was like, well, you know, I guess this is a good way to break up with uh, my ex, you know? So I was a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a scumball, um, you know, hooked up with Amanda on the show, had like fully, you know, and this, to any fans that are out there listening, if you ever find yourself playing survivor, you're not Boston, Rob and Amber, the chances of you having a showmance and like making it to the end, they're pretty much nil. So stop thinking with the wrong part of your body and like get your head in the game. You know, if I could give myself that advice going back and just being like, you know what? Yeah, she's hot, but like pretty girls make graves. You know, she's going to be the end of you if you, if you, uh, you know, follow your passion instead of using your head. So, you know, it was my fault that I, I, I fell under her spell and, um, you know, the, it was a lot of fun and there was definitely, I was enamored. And then when we got back into real life, into the city, the jungle, the jungle love just didn't, didn't really translate to the city, city love. Okay. Uh, Riley, you take notes on all that. Riley would like to play Survivor one day. Uh, you jot all that down? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll keep all that in mind. Okay, yeah. Don't uh, fall for the sweet siren's call. I don't think that uh, Miss Montana is ever going to be an issue for me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, you never know. You, you never, never know. know, Riley. Ozzy didn't think a Miss Montana was ever going to be an issue for him, and look where he's at. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I, mean, I know. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, speaking of you hooking up with Amanda on the show, and one of my questions was going to be, did you feel like you had gotten too close to her? And was that a mistake? You answered that already. Oh yeah. What about Alexis? We see this moment with Alexis. You go to exile for a second time after finding the idol, making maybe the worst fake idol in the history of survivor. <laughs> That's like, not fair. <laughs> up to this point, definitely up to the, up to yeah. Micronesia, there had not been a worse fake idol constructed. <laughs> I think after yes. Cause now they're just wrapping sticks and stuff just to throw people off. Yeah. Uh, you make this idol, you're looking at it, at this piece you created. Yeah. And, uh, are you thinking someone's taking the bait? Like, what are your, what odds are you giving this? Are you like, somebody's definitely taking the bait because there's parchment around it? Or are you like, no way anybody's falling for this? I mean, I thought it was 50-50 because, you know, half of us have played Survivor and the other half hadn't. Okay. So, you know, the first time I played, like, holy shit, you know, that, things were, I don't know. It's like the first time you play Survivor, you kind of have tunnel vision. And like, you don't, sometimes you just don't see obvious things that you just know are, like a hidden immunity idol, like wrapped in, you know, a piece of 
of, of, uh, like, uh, whatever wrapped in a little piece of cloth, like hiding in the crook of a tree. Right. I think sometimes you don't see those things. I thought it was 50, 50. And I think that, you know, if you had actually been able to inspect my work in person, (laughs) (laughs) you would, you would be like, Oh wow, this is actually took some craftsmanship. Cause I whittled down, I whittled this big log down into a thing, like carved some like faces in it. You know, it looked like, of course, Eliza, like she saw right through it. I mean, she was, she's Eliza. Like she's, she's so good, but Jason, he'd never played before. So he was just like, yeah, I found the idol. Yeah. <laughs> you know, didn't he, I don't even think it crossed his mind that it could have been a fake that somebody could do that. I thought, I don't even think he realized that, you know, there's no rules when it comes to that. So right. yeah, it, I just 50, 50, but you know, I had nothing else to do when I was, after I found the idol, I was like, well, I as well try to make something. Definitely. I think there's a lot of moments in, in survivor where you, that is like, you're like, I may, I may as well try who knows if it's going to stick, but at least like it's worth, like if it does, it's worth it. And if not, then it's like no loss. I just have to say something real quick. Yeah. Um, did you watch the last season? The one that just, just finished up. I did. So Xander, he, you know, basically kind of pulled that move himself, you know, using, the, uh, um, can't remember exactly what it was, but he, he tricked Liana into thinking that he was, that he was going to give a fake. I, I don't know how it played out, but yeah, he, but, uh, she had an advantage where she could steal something oh, from somebody. Yeah. So he made a fake idol and showed it to her. So she assumed he was holding an idol and then she yes. demanded that he give her his idol and he had already given it away to somebody else in his alliance and was like, you can have this fake one. <sighs> yeah. That was a pretty masterful little fun, uh, theatrical moment last season for sure. Yeah. That was great. I'm, I'm and yours played um, out really great too. Like yeah, honestly yeah. you, so you go, you find the idol, you come back, you construct this fake one, you put it in its place. Uh, then you go back to exile and see that it's been taken. You assume it's Jason. And so you're like, okay, he took the bait. Hopefully this comes to fruition. And then he gives it to Eliza who flips out and it's like, it's not real. And then she just like has no choice because it's either she's going home or maybe there's a slight chance this is real and it saves her. Uh, Was that more fun to watch in real time, having a front row seat there for the whole thing? Or was it more fun watching it on TV, seeing Jason's excitement and reaction to the idol and then seeing his conversations with Eliza and all that stuff? Because I'm assuming you didn't get to see all that stuff sitting there on the island. No, I had no idea that he was going to, first of all, that he really did take the bait hook, line and sinker and that, you know, he tried to convince Eliza. So seeing all that was really cool. not knowing exactly that the vote was going to go the way it did, but then having Eliza, you know, play the idol and then Jeff and throwing it into the fire, just a little sad, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was great both ways, but watching it happen in real time was, was pretty awesome. I felt really good about that. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, it was really funny is the production ended up like pulling the stick out of the fire and Matt Van Wagenen has, has it on like a little pedestal oh, in his office. I think he does. Yeah. I think I have seen <laughs> pictures of it. That's really funny. Yeah. The executive producer of survivor has that fake idol stick on his desk in his office. It's a little charred from the fire, but not too bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a fun moment. I think that was like a real highlight of the season for everyone. Um, 
we go back to your uh your relationship with Amanda, but as you go back to exile, you get a little cozy with Alexis. She has like a little like crushy crush on you and there's moments where it shows like Alexis snuggling up to you with Amanda like kind of watching could be a little bit staged but was there any moments there in your mind like oh no this is like bad news dangerous uh, or was it like I need to like spread my love a little bit wider so it doesn't look like I'm as locked in with Amanda um, you know at the time I think that it I I think that they played that up a little more than what was actually happening because Alexis I was trying to make headways with Alexis, um, trying to connect with her. It just didn't really feel like she was that open to it. I think that she was just doing her part to play up whatever she, you know, whatever she could. So, you know, I okay. think that, I think she, she was playing like a, just a really safe game. Um, unfortunately, because I think that, you know, she could have, she could have gone a lot farther and done a lot more, but she just kind of like got stuck in between like, you know, a couple different alliances and never really did anything that, you know, she didn't really make any big moves. And then she just ended up becoming, you know, cannon fodder for, you know, uh, the, uh, Suri and, 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 uh, Amanda and Parvati at the end. Yeah. And I think that like you, you touched on it a little bit here. Uh, I think for those players, they kind of paint themselves in a corner where they get too deep in the game and realize no matter what direction yeah. they go, they probably aren't winning. And at that point, then like, who do you stick with? It doesn't really matter. Do you just go with the people you like the most? And what's the thing? And, and honestly, the end game, people yeah. always paint themselves into the corner. Like you have to realize as soon as you lose the numbers to make the moves you want to move, yeah. you've painted yourself into the corner. And being able to mathematically assess like, when the right time to make the big move against the people in charge while you still have the numbers, but can still man, but can manage those numbers is really the trick when, as you get into the merge or deep into the merge a little bit. Yeah. Um, would you agree with that? Oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I think that's some of the nuance that gets lost on, you know, first time players for sure. You just don't realize that you're going to be, you know, at, at a certain point, you really do have to take some big risks and like, you got to, you got to make a move, whether it's going to get you voted out or not. Cause that's really the only way you're really going to get into a position of, of, of power. Correct. I, I agree 100%. On your exit, you're totally blindsided, obviously. In those moments as you're like on your way to Ponderosa, even the few days at Ponderosa, are you now rooting still for your alliance, the people you thought had your backs, or are you hoping with all your might for their immediate demise? Who are you hoping goes after you? You know, I was definitely still rooting for Amanda uh, and for James. Maybe not as much for Parvati, but I don't even think I knew what 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 because you blamed par yeah for your house yeah right? yeah okay. so i didn't i didn't yeah it wasn't at that point i just was sort of like you know going through a temper tantrum like damn i i was i had a hidden immunity idol and it was just my time at ponderosa was full of regret at that point you know like yeah. even i think all ponderosas all ponderosas are if you make it to ponderosa you're living some type of regret. totally and you know, the worst part is I think I made a really bad decision, um, when we were split up before the merge, um, getting rid of Amy Cusack, 
Um, I, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I think that that, you know, honestly, that was like my karma for not understanding the real loyalty that she had to me and to whatever alliance, you know, and I think that if I had been able, if I had seen through the shenanigans and not voted her out, I think that she would have been a really strong person to kind of have my back when it came back to the, you know, when we remer- when we merged and we, uh, we were all together again, you know? So I think that that was just my karma. I, i I screwed that move up big time. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. It's one of my biggest regrets in all of my survivor gameplay that I've ever had. I think it's one of the, one of the worst moves I've ever made. And I think that that's, you know, again, it's a good lesson to anyone who is going to play the game, you know, really be, you got to really be sure about, you know, the people you vote off early in the game. And I think that it happens time and time again that people think they're making strategic moves, getting rid of people that you know may or may not be big threats, whether it's physically or whatever. Maybe they have too many advantages, so you vote them out, and they're part of your key core. You know, you could have maybe chose someone else, but you chose this person. I think this is what happened to Brad in the last season. You know, I think voting him out actually made it weaker for them to to get further in the game. So, you know, you got to pick and choose people really wisely because. Sometimes it'll end up, you know, you think you're making the right decision and, you know, you read the situation completely wrong and I totally read it wrong. And I just, to this day, I still feel this like massive sense of regret and loss for not seeing how cool and great Amy was. And like, I think that she really would have been a strong person for me. So that's what, that's what ended up opening the door for Parvati and Amanda, because I didn't have somebody like Amy kind of like watching my back when I think that she would have had my back. Yeah, so you did vote Amy out, and uh, also on top of that, it it showed the other tribe that okay, we're getting rid of some favorites now, as opposed to like sticking with getting rid of all the fans. And you had uh, kind of like you know destroyed the line a little bit there, I believe as well. Um, but in those moments, like it's hard to discern, and I think these these this modern Survivor era, uh, at least to my uh, my experiences everybody fact checks everything immediately. And that wasn't something you did back then was like, if somebody comes to you with information, you don't go to the person that they have information against and fact check it. You just kept it secret. And we're like, okay, thank you for your information. I will take that and process it. And nowadays the thing to do is immediately go to Amy and be, and create a whole conversation with the people accusing her with Amy specifically, how, and then go from there, which you kind of did a little bit. But I think like nowadays, like, any information that gets passed is then fact-checked multiple times by multiple people. And then you have to then discern which of the five people is telling you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, um, one of the questions I usually ask in these interviews is, is in this season, if there was one moment you could rewind that you feel like would ensure your victory more. So this is the moment for you, like keep Amy in the game. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, you know, going back and playing the, the, all of the decisions, all the votes in my head, like that was the sort of turning point, I think for me, you know, that was just a bad decision and it, it opened the door for, you know, this kind of like, um, back, back, back alley dealing that, that Parvati, Amanda and Sari, you know, felt like they had to, and they're right. You know, they made the right fuck. They made the right move getting me out at that time. 
they did not need me at all. And it just created, you know, they took, took control of the game. And it's another one of those seasons where damn Sari just, I think she, she, she always plays such an amazing game. And just for whatever reason, she just doesn't get the, the, the luck that you need right at that last stretch. She just doesn't quite, isn't able to pull it out. Cause man, Sari, like, you know, you don't see a lot of her like amazing strategy, but she just really is so good. And, uh, she got, I think that she also could have really easily won that, won that, um, that season. Let's move to the, the Eric necklace. Thing. Oh, like God. I agree with Sari. I think that, but I want, I want to get into this necklace thing. Uh, you're on the jury. We see, we're seeing your reactions on the jury. Like this isn't happening, but as a viewer, I, and as a former player, I'm watching it and I'm trying to put myself in Eric's mind. A, he did slight Natalie. All the girls called him out for lying to all of them, which he also did do. As a viewer, I'm watching and saying, Eric's not winning this. Even if he gets to the end, he has to do something and he has to go with somebody. Their pitch to like, give Natalie the necklace. It will protect her. And also it will show Sari that you're willing to make this move. So then she'll vote with you. It's a pretty genius sales pitch to Eric, but it's very specific to the exact position he is in. Do you disagree with that? Do you think like, cause generally it's chalked up as like one of the stupid, the stupidest move <laughs> in survivor history. But if I watch it in detail and take a step back and think about it, and think about it from his point of view. I don't think it's that stupid. If he's feeling like I'm not beating Parv in the end, I'm not beating Amanda in the end. I'm not beating Sari in the end. Am I beating Natalie? Maybe, but if it's a final three, then one of the other three is also going to be there. Like, what can I do? It, I mean, what is your take on it? No, I mean, I, I think you're hundred percent right. Um, again, we've been talking about risks and, you know, making big moves in order to sign up kind of like secure your place in the game. And honestly, you're right. Like if he hadn't given up immunity at that point, sure. He might've been able to make it to second or third, but he wasn't going to win the game. So, you know, he made that, took that big risk. And part of it was, I think, you know, he had to take a risk and I think he knew that, but I think part of it was also the, he just got so vulnerable and so susceptible to all of the, um, you know, advice or, you know, strategy that the girls had against him. Like he had really no chance. I don't think that there was, I don't think that he was going to be able to make it through that. You know, you could see that he was just sort of this a little bit naive, sensitive player that, you know, he had like 0% body fat was like, the fact that he wasn't be being able to eat the way that other people were. I mean, this guy had some metabolism. Like, I mean, he's like a long distance runner. So he's just right. eating, his body is like eating itself. So I don't think he was in the right frame of mind. I don't think he was thinking clearly. I think he was really susceptible to all of the bait that they were throwing at him. And it just, at, for him, I think that that was just really the only best decision he could make if he wanted to get to the end. So I think you're right. I think it is on, you know, from the outside looking in, it's one of the stupidest moves you could ever make. Don't ever give immunity up. Like, you know, unless it's some situation where you got a hidden immunity idol as well, and you can kind of play that and, you know, get somebody out. Like that's the only way you want to do that. But I think you're right. I think that, you know, it wasn't as stupid as we think. 
and it was a big risk. And you know, the big risks, sometimes they blow up in your face. Right. Sometimes they do, but when they don't, they're, they work out really well. Yeah. Ozzy, what was it like watching that on the jury and just, you know, not having seen all the context of like how they sort of spun that web for him. And then afterwards, when he came back on Ponderosa, were you guys just like, what the hell happened there, man? Or did you have to wait for the episode to come out to really kind of figure out how, how like that blunder got made? Oh, no, we didn't have to wait that long because, you know, as soon as, I mean, Eliza and I, we just both, both being returning players, we were just like, we knew that he was going to give it up. And we were both kind of trying to say to him with our eyes, like, do not do that. No, (laughs) don't. You're going to be gone. And, you know, he just wasn't, he wasn't picking up on it or didn't want to pick up on it. So, yeah. yeah, And like, well, go ahead. My conversation with him was that like, I'm, he's sitting there, he's maybe seeing your reactions, but also he's selling himself on the idea that you don't know everything that we've been through here the last couple of days. So how could you even know whether this is right or not? I know because I've had the conversations like that is like probably a little bit of the mindset he was in right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think he was playing like a pretty good game and unfortunately, yeah, if he had just stuck to his guns, kept the immunity idol or the immunity necklace, I think he probably could have won every single other challenge potentially, you know, they were, most of the challenges after that, I think were stuff that would have, he would have been really good at. So, you know, it's, it, it's tough. I'm glad he got to play again though. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a really interesting guy and like so incredibly talented artistically. And, you know, I think he's got a good sense of humor about it, but um, yeah, man, I, I just, I felt, I felt bad for him and kind of took the little bit of the heat off of me for being an idiot going and like not getting, you know, getting voted out with a hidden immunity idol, not playing it and like getting blindsided, you know? So immediately there's a lot of good plays in that, that season. Yeah, there are, there's like a handful of really big blindsides stacked up, yeah. uh, which is uh, always fun for, you know, for the TV experience. Um we're winding down here. We only got a few more minutes. Uh, I just want to ask you a couple things. Uh, you stay in touch with people from the season, uh, from this season in particular. You still stay in touch with Parv a little bit. Have you heard anything from Amanda? Because she is MIA on all social media, et cetera. No, I, I know Amanda's gotten married and maybe has a couple kids. I think she okay. went back to Montana. I haven't spoken with her since she left LA You know, five, six, seven years ago. James, I talked to actually not that long ago. He's in uh, Louisiana between there and Houston. And I was going to go visit him over the summer, um, but I haven't seen him in a couple of years. He's maybe the only person that, oh, Eliza. Yeah, I talked. Okay. Eliza and I have become pretty good friends after, you know, I couldn't stand her on the show when we yeah, were she playing. She has that together. quality about her. Yeah, she's just so like, you know, she's Eliza. And when you're not, when you're not stranded on an Island with her and just kind of having to be in close quarters and her, you know, she's so specifically particular about so many things and has strong opinions and, you know, her just everything. I just couldn't stand her. But then Ponderosa, we like, you know, we're hanging out and we became really good friends. And, um, so yeah, Eliza, a little bit, James, um, you know, I see Parvati every once in a while she's in and out. Um, but that's really it. I don't think there's anybody else from that season. I really like Chet. I wish, 
I wish that Chet played again. I thought he was really funny. Yeah, um, it was fun. Yeah. And Mikey, Mikey B, Mikey B. I see every once in a while he's down in uh, the South Bay. He's a, he's a really good guy. He's a great yeah. dude. Yeah, he is. I met him a few times as well and do also really enjoy him. Um, you ever playing again? They calling you back and, uh, I, I'm certain they will call you back. Are you playing again? And if I so, mean, go, go ahead. ahead, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think it's going to happen before, you know, maybe they do a big season 50 situation, which in that case, yeah, I would play again. I don't think that, I don't know. I can't imagine people that have played that just, you know, maybe they've got amazing just dream lives and don't want to go live the dream again. But I just can't imagine people like, would you, uh, something tells me that you would play again. Right. I mean, the situation would have to be perfect. Right, I had right. a weird experience on Winners at War where like it's the same thing with uh, it's imagine like Eric and Jason's attitude towards you on Micronesia except for right. it's like 18 of the 20 castaways. Yeah. That's how it is yeah. now. Yeah. Like you've built such a legacy for yourself that you go out there and everybody's like we got to blow his candle out to make ours brighter, which doesn't actually work. It would be more advantageous to get their candle to glow brighter to just align with somebody who has a huge name, but they can never see it that way. And so I, I, that's what is where I would be torn. Um, how do you win at this point? You go out for season 50. Uh, what are you doing different? I mean, you've built this legacy. Everybody knows your talents. Everybody knows your skill set. How are you changing it up to get all the way to the end and win? Oh, I'll just be, you know, old and fat. (laughs) Just hide everything. I I got nothing. I got nothing in the tank anymore, guys. My back, my knee. Okay. I'm, I'm like 45. Like no one's beating me. Like I'm. I mean, I'm not beating anybody. I'm just this. I'm a shell of my former self. <laughs> that's that's the only way I would play it up, and I would just not. You know, I would spend way too much time spear fishing and like doing my own like jungle activities. Like, you know, I just would play completely different and not, not be so focused on the physical, not be so focused on the challenges, not be so focused on, you know, the, the natural aspect, which I love so much, but really just, you know, having to just camp life, you know, that's, that's, that's the strategy that I've just been so bad at my entire career. Yeah. I mean, but there's a balance, like, and it's hard to find that balance. And also I feel like to your credit, you have to play your strengths. Like, yeah. You can't like hide your strengths because then what are you playing? Your weaknesses? You yeah. have to utilize your strengths to further you in the game. Um, you have a long way to go to get all that bulk that you're, all that mass you're talking about for season 50. So you better start your bulking phase here soon. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, last question from me, and it has to do with South Pacific. Oh, yeah. If coach doesn't try and hug every person on the jury that he immediately that he had voted out, would he have won? My theory is that he would have because you see, every, nobody wants to be hugged by the person who mastermind their ouster the second it happens, and you see yeah. everybody kind of reject his hug. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think it was the hug. I think it was simply at the very end. You know, he just didn't. It. He just didn't come with the with the truth. You know, and that's what we all wanted. And I, I even gave him the softball. Like, I'm like, coach, I'm lobbing you the softball. All you got to do is come clean, tell everybody what you did, show them your resume. And you got this game won. You really do. You played a great game. Um, and he couldn't do it. 
you couldn't yeah. do it. I don't know if it was just the pride, the ego, whatever it is, but it's a shame. And I think that he also could have potentially, if he had really done what we said we were going to do and taken me to the end, I think he potentially could have beat me. I really do think that. So I don't know. It's a, that was such a fun season for me. I had, I had a great time. I didn't go the way I wanted it to, but you know, I got, I did everything that I, except for winning, I did everything I wanted to do. It was, it was, it was a good time. Good. That's good to hear. Uh, Riley, any closing questions for uh, Ozzy before we take off? No, I think I'm all good, man. Ozzy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll have to do this again. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. And good catching up. And if you're ever in my area, Phoenix area, let me know. We got a guest room here and uh, hang out. For sure. I want to I want to learn the ways of pickleball. It looks so much yes, fun. Yes, it is fun. It's a lot of fun. You'll love it. Hell yeah. So, okay. Thanks, Ozzy. You got it. All right, everybody, that does it here at The Pod Has Spoken. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and join us next week when we will have the one and only Parvati Shallow. Thanks again, Ozzy. Take care. <laughs>